I'll try not to be long this morning. I, I'm doing a, a, a second part of Issachar, and uh, I, I, didn't, I couldn't cover it all last Sunday, so this Sunday might be a little shorter. Uh, that's what they all say, but we'll see if we can keep it to something short. Uh, Isaiah chapter 54, verse 11. O thou afflicted, tossed with tempest, and not comforted. Behold, I will lay thy stones with fair colors and lay thy foundations with sapphires. And I will, I will make thy windows of agates and gates of carbuncles and all thy borders of pleasant stones. And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of thy children. Amen. We're going to uh, preach this morning on Issachar uh, Part two. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for the privilege of being here, uh, being able to proclaim the word of God. We thank you, Lord, for each and every one that's here. That I uh, pray that, Lord, you'd tailor this message in such a special way that, Father, we could, we could all benefit from it, Lord. The young and old, Father, I pray that uh, we could benefit from, from your word, Lord, this, this day. I pray that, Lord, you'd help us, help us in our uh, support of missions, Lord, as this is Mission Sunday. Uh, Lord, the work that's going on over there. We thank you, Father, for everything that you've done through this church, Sun Valley Church, thus far. Looking forward to what lies ahead. And, Father, we'll give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let me just insert this uh, before we get on a roll here. Elections is coming up a week from Tuesday. And uh, so, you know, pray about the situation in our, in our country as well as globally. Things are just, you know, uh, different today. And, uh, you know, but God is in control. God is in control. And that is our consolation. Uh, I know the human aspects of of living here uh, have its toll on us as well, but always remember we're to uh, remember, re, re, be reminded of the sovereignty of God. He controls everything. Amen. So uh, we're we're talking about the the breastplate of the the high priest, and for those of you that maybe didn't uh, weren't here in the beginning, I do have a. A, a picture of a, a priest, a high priest, what he would look like in the, the Old Testament. And that was the garments that he wore. And we're, we're focusing on that square plate on his, on his chest there. And that's kind of what it looks like if it's blown up, the, the breastplate. And one, one of the things that always fascinates me about the Word of God is the detail in the Word of God. Uh, you can get as detailed as, as you can and find out that you're still not covering it all. It's just really interesting. And if, if you want detail, it's there. If you don't, if you want to be surfaced, that's, that's, that, that's up to you. But I, I like looking at the details and seeing just what God is trying to convey to those that want to go just a little bit deeper and see how personal uh, God uh, wants to be in our lives, and, and likewise, you and I to reciprocate with Him. The first tribe that we talked about was uh, the the tribe of 
of uh, uh, Judah, and he is on the east side of the tabernacle. He is the very first stone that you would see on the high priest's uh, breastplate. And uh, secondly, we have Sardis, or I'm um, excuse me, Issachar. Now, keep in mind that on this breastplate, you have four rows of three, and they are not just randomly put in order. Uh, God designed it so that they would be uh, arranged in, in such a, a, a pattern, and you can see that this pattern is, is also in their encampment round about the tabernacle, the wilderness tent, that, or the church that they had back in that day. And so... Last Sunday, as we started into this study of Issachar, what does Issachar mean? You know, what stone on the breastplate goes with the tribe of Issachar? It would be the topaz stone. And what does Issachar represent to the Christian? Now, Issachar has uh, two possible etymology uh, etymologies and meanings. Uh, both of which are derived from the circumstances of his conception and birth. The first, and most scholars are most likely to uh, cater to this uh, meaning here, is that the name comes from Ish-Sakar. Uh, thus, Issachar's meaning is a man of hire, which refers to his mother Leah essentially purchasing her husband for one night because Jacob really loved Rachel, and most of the evenings uh, he would spend with, with uh, uh, Rachel. And so uh, Leah paid to, to be able to spend a night with her husband. Uh, and, uh, and the second possibility is that the name comes from Yeshakar, which means there is a reward. Let me just say this. Once again, it's hard for you and I to... Uh, visualize or understand, you know, some of the cultural differences. Uh, you know, when, when multiple wives were involved uh, in a situation. Uh, I, I remember years ago when we lived in Sierra Leone, of course, being in a Muslim-dominated uh, country, you know, polygamy was something that was, was common in the Muslim uh, population. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I, I met a lot of, you know, dignitaries and et cetera there in the country of Sierra Leone. And what I mean by that is, you know, village chiefs, paramount chiefs that were like uh, chiefs of a district and so on, several villages. And I remember there was one, one chief that, that I met over uh, in, a, in a town called Bambuna. And uh, he had 15 wives and 57 children. And... It was, you know, that's just the way it is. Uh, they, 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 uh, they just have several wives in, in, in their culture. And, and once again, that's mostly the Islamic culture. We had Muslims that would come to our church and genuinely get saved. And, and then their wives would genuinely get saved. And, and so it just brings a completely new dynamic in, into, the, into the church. Uh, we had one man that was our agriculture manager, and, and one day I just had to ask him. I said, uh, where do you sleep at night? <laughs> and uh, when he had three wives. And he said, well, the way our house, he laughed, of course, and he said, well, the way our homes are set up is he said, I have my own bedroom. It's my, my, my living spot. 
And he said over in, in, through this door uh, would be the room of his first wife and her children. And then another room over here, all under the same roof, would be his second wife and her children. And then over here uh, would be the third wife, and she stayed in there with her children. And, uh, and he, he just kind of laughed, and he said, uh, when you have three wives, you know, and he just had three, just three, you know, we're talking just three. And, uh, but he said, whatever time you spend in one room, you've got to make sure that you spend that equal amount of time in the other rooms because you don't want your wives fighting amongst each other or thinking that you favor one above the other. And so, you know, when you live in that kind of culture and try to understand that, and, uh, and then you see in, in, you know, Bible culture, you know, the uh, Jacob and his sons or Jacob's uh, wives himself, you know, and, and uh, all the things the, the, that went on in trying to have children and negotiating and time with your husband and things like that. It's not that easy. It, it's really not. I'm so thankful that I have one wife. <laughs> Amen. And, uh, but, but anyway, uh, as we move on into this, now, now keep in mind that, that Issachar, uh, the meaning of Issachar is double burdens, carrying two burdens, that of a donkey. In his uh, uh, blessing from his father Jacob, he said, uh, you know, thou art a donkey crouching uh, between two burdens. I, 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 I'm trying not to be too fragmented with that, but, but the, the, tied to a vine. But the whole point was that he was somebody that was going to work, somebody that was very, very uh, hardworking, that tribe. Uh, would, would become, once again, the 12 sons of Jacob became the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, and that goes on even to this very day. And th th there's something, though, that I want to, to read. I want to just take a, a, a side note here uh, for just a, a little bit to, to prove a point from, from last Sunday. The, the thing about carrying two burdens the the whole the whole premise here is that in life there's two things that we are that we we care about that we should care about number one is our relationship with the lord and the work of the lord that's one burden number two is our our own vocation in life you know whether it be a carpenter a taxidermist or uh you know uh, somebody that works in a store uh, uh, a hygienist, <laughs> you know, uh, that the, the secular has its own burden that, that we're all uh, a part of as well. You cannot, uh, working at Shields, I mean, you know, is, 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 a, is a, a, where, where Matthew works, you know, that's his burden, you know, trying to make a living there. Uh, Sister Carolyn is a nurse, an oncology nurse, you know, that's her, her burden there. And, uh, but, but yet, with all, all this in mind, there's one that we really have to be careful that not to abuse, and that's the burden of the Lord. And so there's basically two burdens that we have in life. But the problem that we have oftentimes is it's always the Lord's work that suffers because of the secular. It always goes that way. 
we let up on the Lord because the secular work is so demanding. Yes, I can tell this is going to get exciting. <laughs> Amen. But that's just the way it is. And it, it, it's not supposed to be out of balance. We're supposed to try to keep a balance. In Genesis chapter 14, let me just read something here. In verse 18, now, now set, setting the background here, Lot had moved into Sodom and, and Gomorrah. Uh, he pitched his tent towards that direction. And, and as he went that direction to live, him and Abraham, his uncle Abraham, they just, their, their herds and their men were getting so big that they had to separate. It was inevitable that that we, we need to part company here and you take your herds and your men and you go one direction and Abraham and would, would go the other. But Abraham gave Lot the opportunity. He says, man, where do you want to go? Wherever you go, I'll go the opposite direction. Well, Lot looked out towards uh, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and said, that's where I want to go. And so he went that direction and, and uh, he found himself living in the city. Well, they, these, there was these kings that came and looked upon Sodom and Gomorrah, and they decided, well, we're going to invade Sodom and Gomorrah. And so they went in and they invaded uh, the, the city. And as they were looting it and so on, they seen that uh, this very lucrative uh, man was living there, Lot, and his family and his belongings. And so they said, well, let's just take Lot and his family as well as their belongings and let's just take them with us. And so they, they, they left. And the, the, the thing about uh, uh, Lot is as he, he did this, uh, or he didn't really have a choice in the matter, he had a choice in moving to Sodom and Gomorrah, but he was taken into captivity and he uh, found himself in, in a very, very bad uh, situation. And so while all this is going on, uh, Abraham and the uh, Issachar is is technically the great grandson of Abraham and the grandson of Isaac and Isaac's young younger son Jacob. And as they go into this here, and they 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 find Abraham finds out that you know his nephew Lot has been taken captive and so on. Abraham gets all of his his men of war. And he says, let's go down into this city and, or into these kings and let's, let's uh, free Lot and his family. And, and so they do. Abraham goes down in there and in uh, chapter 14 of Genesis and, and uh, they, they pull him out. And, uh, and as they pull him out, uh, Abraham is met by a king of Salem. His name is Melchizedek. And Melchizedek, the Bible says, has no beginning, no ending. He's just one of those, you know, types of Christ. Uh, Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. And it's also interesting to, to, you know, some people, they struggle with paying tithes, but, you know, they, they say, well, that's legalistic, that's law and so on. But, you know, this was before the law was given. Just an interesting side note there, uh, giving God his, his due reward. But Melchizedek means righteousness, and, and once again, being the king of Salem, Salem is actually what they say, most scholars believe, that it's the original name of Jerusalem, and it means peace. But Abraham, once again, paid tithes to this king. 
And the king of uh, 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 Salem, which was Melchizedek, you know, uh, was very kind and courteous to Abraham, you know, gave him an offering and so on, and Abraham gave him back an offering and so on. And, and, uh, but there was another king, the, the king of Sodom. He came into the picture. This is all in Genesis chapter 14. So the king of Sodom comes in, and, uh, and he offers Abraham riches, and Abraham said, no. Abraham was a very wealthy man. Not so much as a thread will I take from you, because if I take something from you, then people will look at me and say, ah, Abraham, he's got money because of the, the king of Sodom gave it to him. That's not the way that it worked. Now, keep in mind that Lot decided to go to Sodom himself, and the king of Sodom uh, uh, and Gomorrah lost the battle uh, when the kings came in, the other kings came in and invaded them, and they fled. Uh, so, uh, looting it and so on, and, 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 you know, taking all the wares and just leaving the city ransacked. It's interesting what Charles Spurgeon said one time. Those believers, now, some people always, this question can be raised. Was well, Lot a Christian? Well, you know, I believe it. I didn't write the address down, but you can you can look it up in in First or Second Peter. It says, "And righteous Lot, he was a saved man. He just chose to go and and live in a place where he that wasn't conducive to his Christianity. And so, as he was as he was living there, you know, he he lost out on a lot of things. But getting back to Spurgeon, he put it this way: those believers who conform to the world must expect to suffer for it. If you want to live off balance and, and live with uh, most of your weight in the secular things of life, you're going to, you're going to reap the consequences of, of being out of balance with the program of God for, for each of our lives. Well, after these kings came in and took Lot and, and his family, a messenger ran and told Uncle Abraham about his nephew. So once again, Abraham went and he smote the kings. And uh, after he smote them and on, on his way back, he crossed paths with this king of Sodom. After he met Melchizedek, the king of Sodom, and, uh, Sodom comes in. Now, Lot, once again, later on, even though he was liberated, he chose to go back to Sodom. And it was, it was there that he got into trouble. And, uh, you know, but, and Father Abraham came, tried to come to the rescue again and, and get him and his family out. And you know that Lot's wife turned around and became a pillar of salt. So I hope you're with me on, on all this thus far. So, you know, what did, what, what did Lot do after this, this first deliverance here? Once again, he went back into Sodom. He just couldn't stay out of it. In uh, uh, Genesis 19, verses uh, 24 through 25, I won't turn there, but if you want to write that down and read it later. Now, the king of Sodom, he chimes in on this conversation that um, Abraham is having with Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek was a good king. He was, he was a priest king combination, and that's, un, that's exception to the rule. As a general rule, that didn't happen in the, uh, with the kings and so on. But it was that way with Melchizedek. And so we, we, we see here that the king of Solomon just kind of chimes in. 
And he says this, give me the persons. The word persons, if you look it up in the Hebrew, means appetite, breath, desire, heart, soul. Let me just read that. Um, 14, 23, I believe it is. And the, in verse 21, And the king of Sodom said unto Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. Now, I'm, 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 I'm trying, to, trying to lay a foundation here to, to, to prove a point here about Issachar. The king of Sodom says, Just give me the people and you can take all the wealth. You can take all the, the wares and so on. And Abraham says, No. No, I'm not going to do that. Well, the principle is this. The devil doesn't care how much money a person makes in secular work or ministry. There's a lot of money in the ministry, folks, as we've shared here of, of late. There's big money in the ministry. Not here, but, but there is. And I say that respectfully because I do appreciate the housing allowance that our church does give us. But it's, it's not about what you have in your pocket. It's about your relationship with the Lord. Amen. That's what makes, that's the difference that makes the difference. Satan will use money as a diversion to pull you away from the souls of people. He'll use money as a diversion to pull you away from your family. Uh, uh, you know, get uh, families fragmented and so on, uh, so that there, there, there's, there's no harmony. Money is, is, is the Bible says, is the root of all evil. Uh, you, you take away your job and your riches, uh, but the king of Sodom was saying, but leave me the souls of your friends and your families. Let me have the people. What shall it gain? What shall it profit a, a man if he should gain the whole world and lose what? His own soul. Abraham, once again, he said, forget it. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to let you have Lot. I'm not going to let you have his family. I'm not going to uh, allow that. But we do know that later on, it was so in the heart of, of Lot, uh, the, the, the city life, that later on in chapter 19, he decided, well, I'll go back to Sodom myself. And he does. But Abraham, it wasn't his desire. He didn't hand him over. Lot went on his own accord. In Genesis 15 and verse 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Now, I'm trying to tie this together here. That, that word reward that he uses in Genesis 15.1 is the exact same Hebrew word for Issachar. Reward. Reward. In 1 Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 32, you and me are between two burdens. 
That's the way we live our lives. There's no way around it. The Bible says that if you don't work, then you shouldn't eat. If a man doesn't prepare or, or you know, meet the needs of his own family, he's worse than an infidel. That's just part of life. We have to work. Amen. It's part of the fall. We just have to work. I believe even in heaven, you know, we're going to be working only, but we'll be working in a painless society, environment, and so on. But you always have to understand that there has to be a balance in your life between your relationship with God and your vocation in life. And you lose a lot of people on this point. In 1 Chronicles 12, 32, and of the children of Issachar, now listen to this, which were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. The heads of them were 200 and their brethren were at their commandment. Now, the thing that I want you to understand here, what was so unique about Issachar, number two on this breastplate, the number two stone was the Bible says that they had an understanding of the times. So not only did they were, were they bivocational, you know, ha having the work of the, of the Lord and and whatever secular work they did on the side, but they had an understanding of how they are supposed to live their lives before God. And I feel that today that is something that we we never hear of. You never hear when's the last time you heard a sermon preached on being balanced in your secular work and and your relationship with the Lord? It's just something that you never hear about. Amen. Uh, uh, when King David was gathering an army together at Hebron, he distinguished the sons of Issachar from the ranks because of their unusual ability to discern the times. They were able to observe. And from their observation, they were, they were able to make an intelligent decision or recommendation on what we should be doing when we go forth to war with King David and so on. Their, their understanding made known to the king that the sons of Issachar knew what Israel ought to do, what the whole nation should be doing, not just Issachar, but David would take their advice as to the direction of the whole nation of Israel. Instead of focusing on what God is wanting, um, uh, so many times we focus on what we want to do and not God. This gift of discernment, this gift of of trying to understand the or see the 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 times changing is something that we all should ha uh, have uh, or covet in our lives especially in the hour that we're living in most people are so preoccupied with their present daily lives they cannot properly discern the times people are having meltdowns today because of what's happening economically in the United States and around the world i mean COVID came into the picture. I mean, and, and it started way before that, but I, you know, that, that is a defining moment where a lot of our lives, let me just even back up a little further. I was telling somebody the other day that when, when life really changed for me was in 2008, it was before 9-11. In 2008, when the economy crashed, it's never been the same for us. 
It, it just never has. It seems like you work harder and make less. It seems like you put in longer days, you know, and, and, uh, and, and the, the, the activities and leisures and things that you, you did in life are fewer and, and far in between. That's just the, 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 the way that it has gone. But then you, you come up and you see 9-11 like we, we, we learned about in Sunday school and, and everything after that. And, and then, you know, jump up to January of, of 20 when COVID came into the picture. I mean, whoa, this is, this is terrible. And, and it is bad. It really is. It, it's a pandemic that we've never in our lifetime have never experienced. They've had others, you know, back in, you know, the, 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 the Middle Ages and so on that, that were, that were bad. But this is something that, that we've never experienced before. And people are just, you know, they're, it, it frazzled them. It, it kind of frazzled me myself, you know, and, and, uh, as well as some of you. But it's something that, you know, thing, things are happening today. And, and if you don't have a balance in your relationship with the Lord, you'll have a tendency to just stay frazzled, amen, and panic and, and not have a, a sound mind or an understanding on how you're to function and walk about when these times are up upon us. Amen. We get so preoccupied that we do not discern the times. We have a tendency to get caught up in what we are losing materially instead of focusing on what God is trying to do to us spiritually. I remember years ago when the stock market fell, people were jumping out of the window on Wall Street in New York committing suicide because the, the stock market crashed. I, I see this coming once again where people are so off balance in understanding, discerning the end of the times. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 54 and, and, and through 56, Jesus put it this way. Now, this is really good. And he said also to the people, this is Jesus speaking, when ye see a cloud rise out of the west, straightway ye say, then cometh a shower. And so it is. Huh. Whoa, rain's coming. We've been on the job many a time where the clouds are, are rolling in. Ah, we got to hurry up and get this thing buttoned up because the rain's coming. We can tell it by the clouds, the, the formation and so on. And when you see the south wind blow, ye say there will be heat and it cometh to pass. Now, this is what Jesus is saying. He goes on and he says, you hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it that ye do not discern this time? You're so well, I mean, we, it, it looking into the sky and, and seeing that, you know, it's going to rain. It's going to get hot. There's no clouds. And, but he said, you don't understand what's coming down spiritually? You don't understand how everything is, 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 is in God's plan is, is, is wrapping itself up? We can see all the, the material and all the secular in life, but we, we, we're missing the spiritual. And Jesus was really pointed with them because 
they were rejecting him as the Messiah and he was standing right in their midst. You have no idea who's even here. Paul speaks to the same generation about knowing the times. The sons of Issachar had understanding of the times. Jesus rebuked his generation for not discerning the times, but Paul admonishes us to know the times that we're living in. In Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14, and that knowing the time, that now is its high time. And he, Paul says, to wake out of your sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Whew. My, if that was ever applicable for the hour in which we're living in, folks, it is today. Our salvation is clearer, closer today than it's ever been in our lifetime. And it's not just because I'm, I'm older and they've been saying that for the past 40, 50, 100 years or whatever. No, you can look at the things that are happening that are unfolding in our country and globally, and that within itself gives is an indicator that we are living in the last days. Jesus is coming. Amen. And I don't want to be off balance. I don't want to be over here, you know, uh, uh, you know, laboring and, 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 and concerned about all, all the material things in life. And my relationship with Jesus Christ is, is suffering. I, I, I don't want to be in that kind of condition. You know, the Bible does say that two will be working in the field. One will be called up. One will be taken out. One will be working. One will be out. You know, so it shows us, you know, that not everybody is, is understanding this. But we are to be like Issachar. That's what this stone represents, this topaz here. Uh, you know, uh, 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 the, the, the tribe of Judah, it went forth first with praise and, 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 and honoring God and reverencing God. But, but as they went forth, they had that characteristic of Issachar that we understand where we're going, what's going on around us, what we're headed into. Can you say that this morning? You see, when you have perspective, it, it kind of takes the teeth out of the, the fear and the unknown. It just reinforces the, the whole divine concept that God is in control. And he gives us everything that you and I need to see it within ourselves. Amen. During the times in which we live, there is a temptation to focus on daily living more than eternal things. And, and I'm trying to be fair because I'm human too, folks. But we focus on, on, on material things simply because our lives have been disrupted. And I don't know about you, but there's a part of me that, that longs for normalcy. But it's not coming back. I don't want to be the, the herald of gloom and doom, but it's just not coming back. If it does, it'll be under the disguise of, of some form of deception. But it's gone. Oh, man, this is a doom and gloom message. We are to understand that 
the signs of the time. The risk lies what is, is missing what is right in front of us, like the Jews did. They missed Jesus. He was right there. Everything was foretold how he would come into Jerusalem, how he would come into being. They were all around him. They even hailed him. Hail, cometh in the name of the Lord. And yet they crucified him. For those who are in Christ, we need to be like the sons of Issachar so that we know exactly what to do as our environment, our life changes. It's going to change whether you accept it or not. But having the right perspective in how you walk in a changed environment makes all the difference. All the difference. As Hannah comes to the piano this morning, this is not the time to be like Lot's wife and look back. We must discern the times in such a way that we have an understanding of the times. It's simply what the scripture says is going to happen. I pray for our country that, that things will turn around and we might get a little reprieve. I, I, I don't know. I don't bank on it. Because things are, are regressing at such an accelerated rate that we can't even process it today. The things that are going on in the spiritual realm, folks, if we could see that, if our eyes could be opened, that we could see what's going on, uh, you know, in, in, in these uh, uh, powers in high places and stuff, we would probably all just go find a place to hide somewhere, you know, in one of these canyons and not come out. I mean, things are, are happening, you know, uh, you know, I, it, it, it's mind-boggling. It, it, it really is when you try to, to process it. But I think that's also a Cold War tactic is they, they get your mind so scattered on everything that's going on that you, you, you lose focus of every, the, everything that's around you, the immediate. And we don't want to do that. We want to keep our relationship first and foremost with Jesus Christ. I pray for things to change as well as you. And that's all good. It's all good. But it's not going to be like we want it to be. Oh, man. I've got friends that are missionaries in the Ukraine. There's people in the Ukraine and I you know, laying all the politics aside. There's people in the Ukraine just like you and me here this morning, just people that love the Lord. But they're caught up in something that they have no control over. Their homes have been destroyed, bombed. Their families have been been killed. I've, I've seen all the pictures, stuff that you, the media don't even show you. I've, I've seen it all. The carnage. 
But yet these people love God. They love God. Let me ask you this this morning as we close. How caught up are you in all the things that are going on around us? Question. How caught up are you? I mean, I love the news. I, I, I shouldn't say I love the news, but I listen to the news. I like to know what's going on, but I do keep a balance. I try to. It's time for you and I to calm down and simply notice the signs of the times. Observe it. It's gonna happen. How far will things go? I can't tell you that. But it's happening right now. It's happening. It is happening right now. Right now. Don't try to brush it off. Oh, it'll get better. Ah, oh, he's just excited this morning and no, it's happening right now. Right now. Observe it. Keep your relationship with the Lord where it needs to be. Amen. Let's stand. Father, we thank you once again for your word this morning. We thank you for the, the lesson on Issachar. Lord, it's a sober message. But Lord, I believe the, those times of of things just being rosy and nice, I just think those times are, are past. Oh, we might get a little reprieve. But Lord, there's so much going on. Lord, we, we're, we're going to be voting here in another week or so. And Lord, we're all going to vote for who we feel is right and has a, a moral stand, making a difference. But Lord, regardless of the, the men or the people, Lord, that come into power, Lord, things are still going to wind down. They have to. It's the story of your word. It's how it all unfolds. So Lord, help us not to get caught up in what we used to have and the way things used to be. But help us, Lord, to have a desire to understand the, the signs of the times. If there's ever a gift, Lord, that I, I really desire here today, it's that gift of discernment.
I want to be sharp, Lord. I want to be able to, to see what's coming and how to prepare myself for it. And Lord, it's just not about me, but Lord, I'm a pastor. I want to be able to, Lord, share with, with this wonderful group of people here, Lord, how they too can prepare. But Lord, until things change dramatically or they've already changed dramatically, Lord, help us to understand that we need to have a balance in our relationship with you. Help our secular work, our, our jobs, Lord, that, that we all have a part of in life. Lord, help it not to overshadow the work of the Lord the ministry of the church, the outreach. While everybody's praying this morning and no one looking around, I just want to ask you this morning, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I'm not here to embarrass anybody. But if you say, I, I really don't know Jesus as my personal Savior, I, I know about Him, but I've never, never accepted Him in my heart and life as number one. If you're here this morning and would like Jesus to forgive you for your sin and come and live in your life, in your heart, I want you to know the altar is open for you this morning. I'll pray with you. I'd love to meet somebody at the altar this morning. Amen. It all begins.